Support for this episode comes from SAS. SAS is going all in on AI to help the world get more done with data. See for yourself in Las Vegas, April 16th to 19th at SAS Innovate, the data and AI experience for everyone and every role from top executives to data scientists, engineers, analysts, and more. I'll be there leading a panel discussion about the importance of responsible AI. It's just one of the many sessions that will highlight the massive potential of AI. Visit innovate.sas.com and use the code CARA to save $100 on registration. I'll see you there. Support for Pivot comes from Klaviyo. There are plenty of AI tools out there to help your marketing strategy, but you'd be hard-pressed to find one built like Klaviyo. Klaviyo AI guides you with predictive insights so you can more accurately see what your customers want and when they want it. It uses both real-time and historical data and can make it all make sense for you. That way you can say goodbye to tedious tasks and work smarter. You can join brands including Everyman Jack, who've optimized their marketing strategy and driven more revenue with Klaviyo AI. Klaviyo powers smarter digital relationships. Visit klaviyo.com slash vox to learn more. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash vox. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm an insufferable... Numbskull. Numbskull. I'm an insufferable... I don't think you're insufferable. Are you insufferable? Let's let's break this down. So, FYI, my Twitter started blowing up last night, and I said, oh, Elon's called you out. And our producer's the one that gave me the heads up, Lara. Yeah. And so I went on, and he called me an insufferable numbskull. And I looked up numbskull, because I wasn't entirely sure what it meant. Yeah. It means foolish and stupid. And I think I want your opinion here. I think I'm more foolish than stupid. What do you think? Well... Oh, that's a hard one. That's a tough one? I think it's an easy one. Uh, no, foolish. Foolish, for sure. 100%. Why are you foolish? Well, you, you have said you were stupid about Tesla stock, and I pointed it out several times. Like, you were wrong, not stupid. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't understand, quite frankly, what was going on. I didn't understand why he and his army of flying monkeys were coming know, after me. He gets me. it into his head sometimes. Well, I, it's, I, I had put out what I thought was a fairly innocuous oh, tweet yes, saying yes. that— uh, Kind of a, a page out of the CEO Big Tech playbook is they never want to take responsibility for their actions, including selling stock. Oh, yeah. about And I think what's happening here is that uh, – so Elon Musk now has, I think, about $200 billion of the Tesla stock. He was given so many options as part of his comp package that when they expire, he'll exercise them because they're hugely in the money. Right. But that triggers a taxable event, the delta between the strike yeah. price and what the stock is trading at, which means he will probably have somewhere between a 5 and $10 billion tax liability. Yeah. And what he could do, what he could do easily is borrow against his holdings $10 billion at probably 0.5% to pay his tax bill. So he could basically borrow money for free to pay his tax bill. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. What's the thing? Some very smart people who manage his money have said to him, look, if your stock got cut by 90%, Tesla would be worth more than General Motors and Ford still. So we have to model out the possibility that just as your stock has gone up 10x in the last 24 months, it could get cut by 90%. And if you had all of this money, and he's probably been borrowing against his money, I'm sorry, borrowing against his stock for a while, if you have $20 billion in debt and your holdings go from being worth $200 billion to $20 billion, this could be a really, really ugly scenario for it. So they've modeled it out. And he's obviously decided, and by the way, it's the smart thing to do, Mm -hmm. and it's his stock. He's entitled to sell it. 
Okay. But instead of taking responsibility for saying, I want to diversify, I need to pay some taxes, the, the, and he has said this, the stock is fully valued. Yeah, he said he's going to pay taxes. Yeah, go ahead. He says, Twitter, you tell me what to do. Yeah, I know. Over the weekend, he put out a Twitter poll asking me he should sell 10% of his Tesla stock. Scott, you tweeted he's using the Twitter results as a cloud cover to monetize Tesla at prices that he knows aren't sustainable without outright telling the market he's lost faith in its valuation, although he has said that somewhat. Yes, um, I and then he has said, then he did you. This happened, has happened before. I've seen it happen before, many times. So Lara pointed out, and let's just call out the elephant in the room. Hmm. The sexual tension between the two of us is palpable. <laughs> it's palpable. <laughs> oh my God, and I got to be honest, again. last night I did have a sex dream about Elon. <laughs> we were in a, her, I, was, I was running my hands through his oh chest hair. God. We were Jesus in a hermetically God. sealed container 30, be 30 feet below the Martian surface, uh -huh. recognizing that we were about to die a horrific death, either from asteroids or increased radiation oh, or gravitational no. pull that was melting our bones and, neuro and yeah. neurons. But you know what? We had okay. each other, Kara. We had oh each other. God. So this is what I'm going to okay. do. No, I'm no, gonna, well, no, I'm going to take over. Wait a sec. Here's what else. I'm going to get us away from the weird Come sex thing had about Elon. Here's what Elon told me last month. I He's uh, he's talking to me, probably not now. Here's what Elon told me uh, last month, a code regarding his – by the way, Elon, I'm not his mama. He does whatever he wants, so don't blame me. Here's what Elon told me at code regarding his Tesla stock. I have a bunch of options that are expiring uh, early next year, so I'm uh, – that a huge block of options will sell in Q4 because I have to, or they'll expire. Um, and my top marginal tax rate uh, is 53%. So there you go. Well, okay, he but here's the problem. It. And again, another yeah. another th page out of the playbook. He just in time to monetize uh, the wealth of the wealthiest man in the world, he's decided to peace out to Texas. He's no longer a California resident. He became a resident of Texas in October just in time to start selling some of that $200 billion. But you know what happened? I thought my Twitter yeah. was going to absolutely go crazy and the trolls are going to yeah, come for me. Really, yeah. But he decided to take another 10 milligrams of CBD. And did you see the tweet he put out to Ron Wyden last night? Yes, Senator I did. Wyden? That, was, that was something else. Okay, yeah. so Senator Wyden basically said, well, something along the lines of, well, maybe you should just pay your taxes and this is justification. Yeah, which is common the, among the politicians. They do that all the for time. For the wealth tax. Yeah. And you know what he wrote back? Yeah. I, I, How come your pee, pee look like it just come? So yeah, uh, here's, a, here's a little bit of color on Senator Ron Wyden. <sighs> yeah. His father fled Nazis. Mm -hmm. Senator Wyden was a scholar athlete, which means mm -hmm. he is very disciplined and in amazing shape. And he has been reelected four times to the greatest deliberative body on this planet or any other planet. So, Elon, shut the fuck up. Oh, goodness. Okay. All right. Yes, that was not that was not in good taste, I would say. But this, Twitter is not in good taste. That is true. So no, you don't want him to yell at why. He's in bad taste. This is not Twitter's mm -hmm. fault. No, 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 no. That was a bad <laughs> What do young people think of our connective tissue, our government, when the most the wealthiest man in the world yeah. starts tweeting at the head of the Senate Finance Committee, which I could I would argue on a well, risk adjusted basis isn't great for shareholders, saying, How come your PP look like it just come? America, everybody. That's our role That's model. A, a lot of our leaders were tweeting at Big Bird for a COVID support of COVID vaccines. Ted Cruz called it propaganda. An Arizona state senator uh, called it flat out Big Bird is a communist. This has happened before with Big Bird, by the way. That was an interesting segue. Are you trying to protect Elon for fear he's not going to come on stage with you again? No, I am not. You may. No, no, Are you no, practicing access yeah. journalism? No, Are you trying to put a chain on the dog? No. No. You can. Have I stopped you from saying anything you wanted about Elon Musk? No. 
You've tried to you've tried to save me from myself actually a few times. Aswath actually when yeah. he was who's on yeah. that last week previously weighed in on Tesla. Here's what he said. Here, let me give you some some cover here. Okay. Go ahead, Aswath. I've described Tesla as the ultimate story stock, a stock you buy because you like the story and you like the person telling the story. And fundamentally, this is what it boils down to. If you believe in Elon Musk, you're buying Tesla. And this is where the moment of reckoning is going to come, because I think Tesla has some real strengths. I mean, what other car company in the world would announce a car that's not going to come out for two years and 400,000 people put a thousand, a $1,500 down to get that car? They've got this rabid customer base. The key for them is, can they actually deliver? Because that's always been the weakness. I mean, they can, they have great vision, but the nuts and bolts stuff, they seem to have trouble. All right, there's Aswat supporting you. And then Elon. It's a great car. I own one. I yep, own one. Elon, you noted that in your tweet back to him, which he has not responded to. Elon has tweeted before, by the way, speaking of support for Scott, Tesla's stock price is too high. So uh, so anyway, he has done that. I think he just, I think he might get on Twitter and have a, and be. It feels like perhaps. someone else is rubbing their fingers through Elon's chest hair. Well, in any case, I think he just does this just, he said this on stage to me, he does it just to bug people. He just does it. I'm thinking of tweeting at him a picture of me shirtless with hair. No, in exchange, he needs to send a picture of me shirtless with hair. I'm thinking 2000, no, 2001. No, what do you think? No, I know it's no, in his camera roll. No. I know no. it's in his camera roll. You need to you need to be as restrained as Big Bird is. That's how I, I would need say. to show more grace. Yes, you need I agree. to. You know That's what? He point. like he's just he's just it's piling onto those idiots who always attack you and say they have like stock things that are opposite. Hey, you know what? Whatever. You know what? You know what? You get out there and say your piece, and people you get out on the on the field, and the rest of them sit around and yell at you from the edge. You know what? It's I'm okay. Good. I'm being very serious now. Yeah. It's okay to have enemies as long as yeah. they're more powerful than you. Otherwise, it's yeah. just bullying. I thought so, it was good. Um, I thought um, that was good. I thought you. I thought it was fine. Whatever. It's fine to be called a numbskull by Elon Musk. Did you see my challenge as I'm virtue signaling now? No. What was your challenge? No. I told him that I would give $10 million to the University of California, which he has benefited from, uh -huh. if he matched me. So, Elon, oh. there's the challenge. You give $10 million to the U University of California, I will do the same. And we can both yeah. continue to support the infrastructure for great companies of which you have benefited massively, known as the Cal State System and the University of California. Oh, I, I like You're that. You're a ball See, that's boss. That's a useful thing, but that's not going to happen. This is just, he's, he's not? He might some of his us. friends who don't like you, and there's several of his friends that don't like you. Well, and he was just. Well, what about just, if I prove that I'm every saying, woman. That's of, what was happening. What about if, if I could prove to him for $7 billion that every woman of color in the South would have access to safe family planning? Would he, would he fund it? Would he fund I don't it? Know. He'd like the he'd like the data, please. Just like that's, climate, just like just world did. hunger. Didn't he? Didn't he say he yeah, would fund that? Yeah, he said that? he wants the data. He said if he got the plan. I think I can give him the data on that. All right. Well, let's see if he responds to you. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know yeah. what to tell you. You had a throwdown with him, um, but that's good. Like you said, if you if people are attacking you from the top, but you're in good shape, it's fine. That's right. That's right. That's right. By the way, Tesla stock is is slipping as we record this, just so you know. Well, what a shocker. Ford, General Motors, Daimler Chrysler, Toyota, Honda, Kia, uh, uh, Tata Motors, Boeing, Airbus, JetBlue, Delta, American Airlines, and throw in, I don't know, every special retail in America, Tesla's worth more than all those companies combined. All right, you keep going. You keep you keep Don Quixote. You insufferable. At some point, I will be right. At some point, I you will be right. You insufferable numbskull. I'm not insufferable. People like the dog. No, you're suff You're a sufferable numbskull. 
I'm totally sufferable. That was unfair. Elon, yeah. take off the Come in. Come suffer with the dog. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. Anyway, it was very funny. funny that you didn't even know it was happening. I looked at it. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, nice. I, was go- I went to see the Washington Spirit, which is the women's soccer team. I took little the golden child. Oh, to no. it. Um, it was very nice. And we, I looked oh, at no. it and I was like, oh, no. And and the golden child went, <laughs> oh, no. And I said, oh, God. And she went, oh, God. <laughs> so it was Okay, let's talk about the show. I feel much better now. So just very briefly, Senators Klobuchar and Cotton, two people you do not imagine ever sitting, going to a bar and suffering each other, Mm -hmm. introduced a bill to fight tech monopolies and only tech monopolies. I find this problematic, but the bill would make it harder for giant companies to buy up smaller competitors. It would also apply to companies with a valuation over $600 billion. That's only tech giants. Uh, Walmart, Visa, and J.P. Morgan are below the line. I don't know. Everybody's a tech giant, in my opinion. So first off, I just want to highlight an actual incredible role model for men, Amy Klobuchar, who does the work and has grace and is unafraid. She's a fantastic role model for young men. Yeah, she is. I love this, except it's bad legislation, because here's the thing. Yeah. Antitrust should be a function of you diminishing market power and competitiveness. It shouldn't be based on size. There are some companies that are $2 trillion companies that should be allowed to acquire other companies. And there are companies that are $30 billion that should have their acquisitions blocked because they are locking up and creating a a less competitive environment in their smaller sector. Yeah, this dog won't hunt. This isn't – an economist for the other side is going to rip this apart. Yep. Agreed. I think it's problematic. And anyway, it, it's, it, you know, it's these are the moves, the beginning of changing antitrust. Like, who knows all the strategy going on here? Um, there's a lot going on. Yeah, there's, there's a, a lot, lot going, going on. on. So anyway, that, it's interesting the two of them are together and they're going to push for something. And that we'll see where it comes out. But there is antitrust legislation coming. I suspect I don't think they're doing this because they're idiots. Um, but in any case, it, it's, it's rather interesting. It's a rather interesting bill. There's a lot of these bills now. We'll see where any of them go. And now, of course, we'll be talking in a minute about the infrastructure bill, etc. But first, let's do the big story, the latest in COVID treatment. The new antiviral pill from Pfizer could be a pandemic game changer, a pill. Pfizer's pill treats COVID symptoms, is said to cut the risk of hospitalization or death by 89%, which I think is the point of these things, not that it's going away. It's becoming endemic and we have to deal with it. A clinical trial was stopped early because results were so convincing. Now Pfizer says it will submit its pill to the FDA for approval in the U.S. Merck also has a pill, though it's less effective. And the U.S. uh, lifted travel restrictions for vaccinated people from a long list of countries, including Mexico, Canada, and most of Europe. Mm -hmm. Seems like uh, things are going rather well, even though everyone thinks Biden's an idiot. It seems to be moving forward. I was just this morning, I was noticing everybody was out Mm -hmm. and about last night, too. Everybody feels good. People were masking inappropriate. But at the same time, everybody like my my local coffee place was full of people hanging, talking, chatting. It's a beautiful day. So what do you what do you think? Will it embolden anti-vaxxers? They just say, if I get COVID, I'll take the pill. And then lastly, I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. Oh, admitted he's unvaccinated. And and, uh, Terry Bradshaw got mad at him, calling him a liar. Well, not only that, but, you know, I'm thinking about getting a procedure done. So, of course, I called Joe Rogan. That's where he really stepped in it was he said as in his defense, he goes, wait, I called Joe Rogan to get advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK. Well, look, yeah. let, let me let me back up. Several people there's, are lying about their vaccinations, which is interesting. That's there's kind of some down, thing to do. We immediately and I understand this go to the downside of this thing. Like, yeah. could it could it create more vaccine? Hesitancy? The bottom line is this is a wonderful thing. And yeah. 
Some of the most wonderful periods of prosperity have come directly out of crisis, whether it was the great fires of London spawning an era of beautiful architecture, World War II kept the peace, some investments we made. I think the progress around vaccinations and pharmaceutical research is going to be a real silver lining here. And the thought that we might have a pill that can can reduce death by 90%. There's also, you know what got glossed over this week is a company announced they're in late-stage clinical trials of what is effectively, effectively, Kara, a cure for HIV, not a prophylactic not something yep. to suppress it, but something that could actually eliminate it. And I have uh, uh, two close friends, and including the godfather of my children, who was open about his HIV status. Yeah. And this is just a wonderful, joyous thing that science yep. and what's d- disappointing, and people have the right to not get vaccinated, but what is disappointing is that we have lost so much faith in the closest thing we have to a truth, and that is the iterative peer review practice called science. And yep. it just... I think that I've been thinking a lot about role models and male role models and and the fact that once you get a certain following, people listen to you. And I think we've just created so much mistrust and doubt around our institutions, whether it's the Senate, whether it's doctors and medicine. And that is just terrible, terrible for America. So while while people continue this bullshit pseudoscience, I'm a junior epidemiologist because I used to call WWE fights. And I have a huge following, which gives me expertise around shit. I mean, I love this guy, Joel Stein, who I think is a genius. I asked him what he thought of the political situation. Yeah. He said, I have no fucking idea and you shouldn't ask me. I don't know anything about politics. And I <laughs> love that he said that. He said, I just don't know anything about this. And because I have a yeah. little bit of a following doesn't mean I'm qualified. And it's a good yeah. lesson to me. Yeah, people do but seem to. What 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 are we doing when we're attacking our institutions? And meanwhile, our institutions continue to march on and do really good work. The pharmaceutical industry and doctors are doing great work. Well, it's interesting because, you know, the Terry Bradshaw thing was interesting. And of course, people are dragging Terry Bradshaw. I didn't see that. Can you say more about it? He he said, um, you lied to everybody. I give Aaron Rodgers some advice. It would have been nice if he just come to the Naval Academy and learned how to be honest, learn not to lie, because that's what you did, Aaron. You lied to everyone. I'm extremely disappointed uh, in the actions of Aaron Rodgers. The um, Rodgers, who tested positive for coronavirus, realty had not been vaccinated after saying earlier in the season he was immunized. So, Well, you know what? The coaches and the staff have to get vaccinated. But people are giving Terry Bradshaw a hard time. I don't think he's just saying it. Terry so. Bradshaw, that was a real fucking football team. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Iron yeah. Curtain. Take, bring, yeah. bring back Lynn Swan, and uh, I, I thought those guys were amazing. Anyways, right. I love—I'm obviously biased here, but yeah. this, again, is double standard for rich people and influential people. All the staff, you you have to be back. Do you realize there's going to be another uh, mixed MMA, is that what it's called, fight at Madison yeah. Square Garden? It's totally sold out. Yeah. You have to be vaccinated per New York state law, except yeah. Joe Rogan has managed to get an exemption. He gets to go to that fight without a vaccine. Uh, whatever. So, and but here's all the deal. The, he shouldn't. Have, he should have said he did. He said he was vaccinated and he wasn't. And he, NFL. This is the story. Has different protocols for vaccinated, unvaccinated players. Rogers had reported been participating in protocols for the vaccinated players and was, you know, so that's that's really that's that's right. Like, come on, if to say you're not because they have these protocols. And so then Bradshaw said, we're a nation divided politically, we're a divided nation on the COVID-19 or whether or not to take the vaccine. And unfortunately, we've got players that pretty much think only about themselves. Look, you don't have to take the friggin' vaccine if you want to, whatever. Yeah, you know, just stay at home and isolate. Just whatever, just fall. <laughs> but he doesn't like the rules and he doesn't like the things, so he's lying. I, that that does cross some sort of weird line that is just weird. It's just weird. He's got a zillion celebrity girlfriends, by the way, this guy. 
Anyway. Oh, that's, co- that's some compensation. I'm going to call my friend who loves the Green Bay Packers and see what she thinks. She'll probably defend him because she loves He's an him. amazing athlete. Jesus Christ. Have you seen the arm on that guy? Yes, absolutely. So, I don't know. Just whatever. We're getting a pill. Everybody calm the fuck down. That's what I say. We're getting a nice, nice pill. You'll be able to take it and we don't have to listen to your bullshit. That's that's great. That is a really good... I have, I have a new theory of commonality versus community. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about writing something about this idea that, you know what, we have commonality. We don't all have to get along, but we do have some commonality, and we need to focus on that. Well, there's more that unites us and divides us, Kara. Well, I, we don't even have to have that many things. It's just like, don't yeah. lie about your friggin' yeah. COVID vaccine, if you don't mind, and everyone can make their own decision. You know, I had I had someone say something about a mask. I was in Virginia and someone said, mm-hmm. you know, oh, why are you wearing a mask? I said, you know what? I think you go on and about not wearing a mask. So fuck you. I can wear my mask if I want. I'm just, how do you like it on the other side? So it was interesting. I'm taking my 11 year old to get his vaccine next week. I'm very oh. excited about it. And, Louis um, got his, his, uh, his thing. He's getting his first one, right? His first one. Yeah, it was approved literally like last Monday, and I've already tried to get an appointment. And CVS, I don't think is doing. I don't want to give misinformation, but it hasn't been easy to get an appointment. You know what? We're in the seven high seventies now. Everyone's sort of like, get over it, or just take the pill eventually. Fine, shut up. That's what I would like them all to do. Shut up, all these people who have to like do their little speeches, et cetera, et cetera. Just well, either uh, don't take I mean, it. Aaron, just tell us the truth, so we can make Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. And uh, people have a right not to take it. Then they should. They should. They should implement certain protocols around themselves because you're more likely to spread it when you're not vaccinated. And so you're not being a good citizen when you pretend everything that you're vaccinated and you aren't. I think that's the issue here. We're at 50 percent vaccinated. I think you think we're higher than that. I heard we're at 58 percent of eligible adults. Okay, so one dose, 67.7 percent and fully vaccinated, 60 percent. So that's higher than it was. Yeah. One dose is. You have 50 to 100, call it 50 to 100 million people who have chosen not to get the vaccine who could. And you're talking probably about somewhere between 500,000 and 5 million people who either die or have long COVID because of vaccine hesitation. So I just, and and instead we have decided, we have decided to move authority. We have transferred authority and trust from our CDC and doctors and epidemiologists to celebrities who are, have all of a sudden decided to, to listen to the axis of misinformation, Trump. News Corp and Facebook and have decided that, oh, I don't need, I don't want to take a vaccine. And it's just, it's, it's just incredibly disappointing around that, what I'd call transfer of influence. It just says something strange about our nation right now. In any case, Rupert Murdoch requires people to have had a nose swab at his party. You have to have a nose swab to go to Rupert Murdoch's party. Just the yeah, let me take to the airwaves and tell you it's your liberty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not happy. Uh, you know what uh, I would do? I'd go to that party and knock it. I'd say, no. What are you going to do about it? What are you gonna, they wouldn't liberty. 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 Yeah. All right. Let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss the latest news in Congress. Then we'll talk to a friend of Pivot about tech stocks. I'm sufferable. I'm you're sufferable, Carol. Sufferable. Su- you're still a numbskull. Support for Pivot comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software, including Jira, Confluence, and Trello, help power the collaboration for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. 
Whether you're a team of two, 200, or two million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams from engineering and IT to marketing, HR, and legal can stay connected and moving together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Support for Pivot comes from Clavio. When you're marketing your business, there's a ton of data to keep track of, and you need the right tool to help you make sense of it all. For that, you might want Clavio in your arsenal. Clavio helps brands get smarter with their marketing. Their AI is built differently than anyone else. It combines a ton of real-time and historical customer data points for you in full detail and makes sense of it all for you. It guides you with predictive analytics, so when you use Clavio AI, you get smarter insights without all the heavy lifting. You can more accurately see what your customers want and when they want it. You can work smarter and be more confident in your decision-making. You can join brands who've optimized their marketing strategy with Clavio AI, including, for example, men's personal care brand, Everyman Jack. They've used Clavio's AI-powered predictive analytics to generate personalized predictions about each of their subscribers. That, in turn, helped them deliver top-notch customer experiences and drive more revenue. Clavio powers smarter digital relationships. Visit Clavio.com slash Vox to learn more. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash Vox. Scott, we're back with our second big story. Congress actually did something Friday. The House passed the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Now it goes to President Biden to be signed into law. Let's listen. Finally, Infrastructure Week. (laughs) As he said, it is finally Infrastructure Week. After all our waiting, the House hasn't approved the Build Back Better bill yet. A handful of centrists say they'll vote for the bill. Gets okays by Congress's accounting arm. Progressives accuse centrists of moving the goalposts, whatever. The bill has some in the crypto world worried. It could open the industry up to more regulation. It's not clear what will happen when the Treasury uses to clamp down on crypto. Big issue. Of course, another big issue for tech is the $65 billion for broadband access. If COVID is over by this time next year, will broadband still matter? Yes, it will. Or will it be back uh, to a mobile first place? Broadband will matter. Uh, The bill has lots of funding for cybersecurity. Uh, There's lots of bipartisan support there. And now the infrastructure bill has passed. Do Biden and his allies have any leverage to get bill uh, back better through? I think they will. I think they will. What do you think? Scott? Well, you know, and we, uh, so by the way, we predicted this last week, but you know we who's probably, who's most responsible for this bill passing yesterday or Friday? Uh, Governor McAuliffe. Oh, all right. Specifically, okay. specifically oh, him losing an election losing. he should have won all of a sudden was a, was the mother of all wake up calls for Democrats. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's no, it's no accident yeah. that 48 hours after, over the weekend, after they find out that Democrats who should have won have lost, they got their shit together and passed this thing. Yeah. So I hope it gives Governor McAuliffe some, some comfort knowing that his loss was a wake-up call and the Democrats are finally, like, pulling together. But this, this we said this last week, we said in the next mm-hmm. 48 hours, there's going to be more progress on these bills than in the last 48 yep. days. And yep. You know you're getting you know you're getting old. I actually got emotional when I heard this passed. This is going to be Did you? It's going to provide 550 billion in new funding for infrastructure projects including bridges, broadband and electric vehicle charging stations. How huh, what do you know we're subsidizing the wealthiest man in the world. Anyways, different point. <laughs> 
and represents the biggest federal investments in infrastructure in more than a decade. Uh, it'll be paid mostly with COVID relief funds that haven't been spent and a crackdown on taxes on, get this, for crypto trading. Uh-huh. It'll still add a, a quarter of a trillion dollars in projected deficits over the next 10 years. Quite frankly, I think that's, this is the kind of thing that deficits should be used for, and that is investing, making investments in the future. But infrastructure is literally like, what operating system do you want to program on top of? Do you want to program on top of... I don't know what the latest thing is, PPP, I'm not a computer, or DOS. Yeah, our country's been woefully behind in this. Yeah, and it's an investment in the middle class in America, helping people get to work, helping them spend more time with their families, helping them, you know, be more productive in their startups. And what we've decided is, okay, rich people can create their own mini infrastructures, but you have to have – you have to have roads, ridges, and tunnels, and 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 you know, and infrastructure and clean water, such that ordinary families can get to the good work of making money and and, and cementing relationships. So I think this is, I think it's wonderful. Congratulations to them. I hope it's inspiration for the other bill to get through. Uh, I'm I'm excited about it. What do you? I don't think, know Karen? if it's such. I, it's really interesting. Someone was tweeting something I thought was pretty smart yesterday, where they were like, Biden's got everybody vaccinated, pretty much. I mean, a lot of people vaccinated. Passed this infrastructure bill. Uh, we're out of Afghanistan. A mess though it was. We're out. You know what I mean? Like that. There's a lot that they can use to for the for the midterms. Still probably in trouble for the midterms because they'll pull on some cultural whatever the hell they want to pull on. But it's really. Uh, I think it's uh, it was a good thing. Now we'll see what happens with Build Back Better. What do you think about that one? I don't know enough about the politics of it. I think we're going to get something there. I think the most exciting thing about that is that, and I didn't even know this was possible, but if the child tax credits. Uh, stay in there, you could have a reduction in child poverty of 62%. Like, I didn't even think that was possible to figure out a bill that could do that. So yeah. I, I think that Senators Bennett and Klobuchar don't get enough credit, and Senator Warren had a lot to do with it. And also, the person that the person that doesn't get the credit, on my view, that he deserves for this is Andrew Yang, because let's be honest, this is a form of UBI light. And because he kind of pushed, he set the goalposts of like, let's just give money to everybody, Yeah, giving money to selectively. So it's not universal. It's targeted basic income for people under a certain, that make under a certain income. It just, no one would have dared try this. They would have called it European or socialist. But America's becoming comfortable with the fact that in an economy where digitization and innovation and education and certification are so important and certain people just naturally have more access to that to others. And then you couple that with a conscious decision to transfer wealth from poor people to rich people mm-hmm. and from young to old. We're going to end up with homeless encampments off the 405 freeway yeah. in Los Angeles. And people are recognizing, okay, we're probably going to have to use the R word redistribution here. Yeah. So there's been a change in mindset. There's yeah, I think so, for mindset. sure. I think there has been. At the same time, uh, there's still some things outstanding. I, I was just noticing the stores The stores aren't stocked very well. I, it's really interesting. It's the first time I've noticed it. I mean, of course, we li- my son is on sort of a consumer bent, like we're such gross consumers. But it is, there are some neg- terms of employment and whether people are going to work and this and that, and whether the stock market's too frothy, et cetera. So I think we should just tread th- these things. We have to look like we have a stable government who could, that can function. That's really, I think, one of the parts that'll um, make us all feel a little calmer and get out of this endless cycle of fear and rage, which we are in right now. Anyway, speaking of which, the stock market, let's bring in our friend of Pivot, Mark Mahaney. 
Mark is an analyst and author who covered internet stocks since 1998. He's been called, quote, one of the top investment analysts on Wall Street. He revealed some of his tips on investing rather than trading in his new book, Nothing But Net. Hey, Scott, I think I'll let you start since, Scott, you are the stock man, apparently. <laughs> the insufferable stock man, Mark. Yes, yes. Mark, Mark is a Mark is a friend. I can call you that, right, Mark? I don't say that about yes, you people. can. Um, and he is the top internet analyst. So slowly through attrition, there used to be dozens <laughs> of you. Now there's right. now it's like yeah. Mark and some fourteen year old on Reddit that are yeah, that okay. are the premier stock analysts in the world. But Mark really is the gangster here. So Mark, let's bust in. Let's talk about the big guys: Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. And let's throw in Microsoft and Netflix just for shits and giggles. Wh- who do you think is overvalued and undervalued in the space? Okay. You know, for long-term investors, I think most of these tech platforms are enduring. So I just try to find which one at any one point in time is most dislocated because I think their fundamentals don't generally change that much. They, mm-hmm. They've only gotten stronger over the last two, five, and 10 years. So the top pick would be the one that's most dislocated. In my mind today, that's Facebook and then uh, Amazon. Uh, I think uh, Netflix is relatively close to being fully valued. I don't cover Microsoft and Apple. Uh, that leaves Google, and Google is reasonably valued, but it's not a screaming buy here. And the Facebook issues don't concern you. That you you think it's the PE, the headline news here, or the headline risk is reflected in the PE, and that it's a decent buy, and that Amazon, even at a PE, I think a forward PE of sixty, is is actually a, a decent buy. You like those two the most? Yeah, I do. And so uh, Facebook, you know, the from an investor pr- perspective, Facebook trades is something like a twenty five percent discount to Google, even though they have a similar growth profile. So the market's already pricing in a lot of regulatory. Uh, reputational risk into Facebook shares. And the market may well be right, but as an investor looking at it, you've got a fair amount of downside protection. Amazon as a stock has traded sideways. It's flatlined for almost 18 months now. Hmm. And the business has continued to grow. uh, And it's a deep in investment mode now. So I think that that valuation can be a little bit misleading. Uh, I think when you get a, a good core asset, if you were to pick one of these companies and hold it for the next five years, the one with the, the best market opportunities, the best management team, best track record, you'd pick Amazon. And when you see an Amazon that's traded sideways for 18 months, that's the stock to buy, the most compelling long in that group. So when he talks about Facebook, you know, it being priced in, can you explain to people who are furious at, at Facebook at, why Wall Street doesn't care, doesn't matter. Obviously, just there to make money, but explain that sort of just clearly as why that happens. Yeah, so you're, so Carrie, you're saying to why Wall Street doesn't care about yeah. um, the reputational issues, the yeah. ESG uh, yes. uh, complications around Facebook. Mm-hmm. And my answer to you is, well, if you look at the numbers, Wall Street actually does care. So if you look at um, uh, the valuation of Facebook versus Google, again, these two stocks have, I think, very similar growth profiles. They're probably going to mm-hmm. grow their earnings 20 to 30 percent. I know that's a broad range, but I think that's true. And the market is willing to pay 25 percent less for Facebook than they are for Google because the market fears that there's going to be some sort of event out there that's going to dramatically reduce the earnings growth outlet for Facebook. Either it's going to be regulatory action, some sort of breakup, some sort of business practice change. So I think the market is anticipating much greater risk for Facebook than it is for Google. Mm-hmm. So Mark and I talk a decent amount. And the, the, mm-hmm. I asked him, I think a year ago, I said, what's your favorite pick? And you doubled down on something that I can't stand. And that was Uber. And you were right. And I look at Uber and I think, here's a company that's never figured out a way to be profitable, has all sorts of headline risk. And yet you like it. You, you you think you think it's a good buy. 
Your turn. Yeah, yeah. Goodbye, not a goodbye, but a goodbye, yeah, a like goodbye. a goodbye stock. A good yeah, stock. I like Uber. Look, I the the when I say dug into the history of the internet companies and I've covered them for twenty five years, yeah. I tried to put together a couple of characteristics that I thought helped explain the successes and the failures along the way. Companies that face really large total addressable markets or TAMs, you know, it's pretty high up in my list. Companies yep. with um, I like I prefer founder led companies. That's obviously not Uber, but I think Darakash Rashai, he's generally a very good manager. I've tracked him mm -hmm. for a long period of time. Companies mm -hmm. with compelling value propositions, i.e., people would pay more for them. Uh, like Netflix, they uh, people are willing to tolerate price increases. Um, and I think people we've learned over the last year and a half, people are willing to pay more for Uber because the value proposition of ride sharing is so high. I put these characteristics together and Uber looks to me to be very interesting. And mm -hmm. the stock, I'd say, is dislocated. I mean, the stock is um, uh, is uh, well off its highs. And that's one of the things I, I tried to, in this book, what I tried to do is do, I go to investors mm -hmm. and I say, look, you want to minimize two risks when you're investing in public markets, valuation right. risk and fundamentals risk. Fundamentals risk is companies that blow up on earnings, have dramatically decelerating revenue growth, margins plunge, et cetera. And then you want to try to hedge out uh, or minimize valuation risk. And the way you do that is you identify high quality assets that are facing large market opportunities. That's Uber. I mean, there's $2 trillion plus markets that they're facing. Delivery and ride sharing into the global leader in in uh, in most markets in those uh, in those segments. That's a pretty good combination. And the stock's dislocated mm -hmm. a lot of issues around it, but they're going to come out of COVID stronger. They just hit profitability. And I think you'll have a sea change in the number well, of investors that'll come in and buy it. Right, but the profitability has got all these things hanging off of it. You you all don't mind those, right? The earnings before everything, essentially. Yeah, it, that, that's true, Kara. But like, you know, you first have to get the earnings before everything, before you get to the earnings. You know, it's like it's mm -hmm. a leading indicator. So yes, you, you we all at the end of the day want to see big chunks of free cash flow. Companies, a lot of companies go public in the tech space that aren't profitable. doesn't mean they can't be profitable long-term. So you have to figure out what's wrong with the business model that doesn't allow them to be profitable. Or maybe there isn't. And my so view you see on, their uh, opportunities is bigger than their problems. That's behind yes. them, essentially. Right. So yeah. so what about the smaller player like a lift behind them? Uh, what do you, How do you look at the whole market in general? I, I always example? prefer the leader in the, in the segment. But, uh, you know, I like lift as a play. But, Kara, this is one of the big lessons I had. Like scale... Scale solves most problems in the internet space. You and I have looked at Amazon forever. There mm -hmm. were investors who for the first yes. 10 years of that company yep. said there was no way that company will ever be profitable. The first yep. year I worked on Wall Street at Morgan Stanley, the head of the, uh, the bank, Morgan Stanley, where I was, stopped me in the hallway and said, you know Amazon will never be profitable. And he was the wisest investor on Wall Street. So he was yeah. probably right, but he wasn't. Because yeah. scale solves almost everything, and it's going to do the same thing with Uber over time. Okay. So so Bitcoin has better 10-year returns than Amazon and Facebook. Are you? How do you look at that? How do you figure that into what's happening? It is, a, it is an internet stock really aren't they in a weird way or internet investment type of yeah investment. i'm not care i'm not smart enough to figure out bitcoin <laughs> That's what Scott I, yeah, says. you and me both so mark your your thoughts on airbnb and i'd love to get your thoughts on two or three companies sort of the new guys that you're excited about that we you should be on our radar screen that look like they could be could bust into that tier one 
Airbnb is one of those. Spotify would be another one. Those are two mm -hmm. kind of out there a little bit on the on the edge of names that could be, you know, long term could be multiples higher than where they are today. Airbnb is a wonderful example of a founder-led company. Great product innovation. I mean, sure. they've... Um, They've uh, revolutionized the way that people can uh, list their homes, residences, you know, for rent, uh, and then people can find places to stay. Like they, cr they practically single-handed created a new category of travel that's extremely broadly adopted by millennials. There's a lot of growth in Airbnb, very profitable business model, almost too profitable, frankly. I think they should be investing in a lot of new long-term growth opportunities. They should be investing in business. They should be investing in experiences and in China. But I understand why they're not doing that near term. But I think long term, they should definitely be taking down those margins, investing for growth. I like Airbnb. It's a huge TAM, trillion dollar plus TAM. I love TTAM companies, companies that are hmm. addressing, attacking trillion dollar plus uh, market opportunities. Airbnb is one of them. Spotify is a great a great case too. Here's a founder-led company. I mean, music's going to be on is on everybody's phone uh, mm -hmm. you know, worldwide. Three billion smartphones. I think Spotify has the ability to be on a half of those. That's a billion and a half. And they've shown how they can make money through both subscriptions and through advertising revenue. It's not that profitable, but let's scale. You know, do its trick. Over time, this will be a nicely very profitable business. What, what what about companies we've never heard of? Like, what are some of the ones that you are looking, what areas are you looking? Because one of the things is young people are doing their own thing, whether it's run up meme stocks like AMC or GameStop. Uh, GameStop. How do you how do you look at that trend with these younger investors don't trust traditional investing? Um, how do you imagine that's going to shake out? You know, one of the things I uh, things that kind of inspired me to write this book is there's something like uh, 15 million new investors that came into the market over the last two years during the COVID crisis. Uh, people were looking for things to do at home. And so there's a lot of this day trading that came up. There's nothing wrong with day, day trading and meme trading. I just think you can make just as much money investing in the market and not taking these pot shots at what are oftentimes just expectations game. Is there are you gonna have more yeah. people buying the stock a week from now? If you I, the, the lesson I picked from 25 years of looking at tech stocks, fundamentals matter. Like companies that generate more mm -hmm. revenue over time, more profits, those stocks go up. I know they can be very volatile at times, but that's the lesson. That's Amazon's gone up 166,000 uh, percent since its IPO. A lot of volatility, but fundamentals got better. The stock got better. So that's what I try to get people to focus on. Focus on long-term investing because fundamentals do drive stocks. Mark, I'm curious what you think of the whole iBuying phenomena is, I mean, Zillow, I thought that was really interesting news. And but it feels like the core business has never been healthier. Is this an opportunity to stock off from 200 to 65? I know you 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 follow Zillow. And then also, do you think that that, that throw up or miss, do, does that seem like it was specific to Zillow? Or do you think it could infect the entire space, including Open Door and others? Like, Give us your thoughts on what happened in the iBuying space in the last couple of weeks. I listened to your um, the pivot last week when you when you talked about when you dissected what happened at uh, Zillow. I think you largely got it right. I think this is specific idiosyncratic to the company itself. This was a company with a great competency in um, uh, generating marketing leads for real estate agents and helping consumers find the home of their dreams. And then they went into a different business, one that right. involved buying and selling homes and renovating homes. It's a very different set of competencies. That was always the risk behind Zillow. I made a mistake on this. I gave them a I gave them the opportunity. I, I upgraded the stock a couple of months after they went into the iBuying opportunity. I thought that I knew there was execution risk, but I thought there was a big TAM expansion, total adjustable market expansion, and they just shot themselves in the foot. I haven't seen this kind of mis-execution, this kind of blow up in such a short period Agreed. of time. Agreed. Shocking, right? I mean, it, it really it was truly shocking. shocking. 
I'm a big uh, fan of Rich Barton. Of, He's been a great he entrepreneur, but born I think, of envy, born of envy. That's why he did it. It was not, it was because he was thought he was missing something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it seems like it. So I, like, I, no, I, I think the core business is attractive, but I don't think you can buy the stock now. I think this is going to be in the, in the woodshed for, uh, for probably a year or something like that. Probably need management change. Mm-hmm. What should wow. come out of the woodshed? Which wow. won't happen. Ooh, it's dual class shareholder, right? Yeah. That won't yeah. happen, right? It could happen. No, it won't happen. You're right. Okay, this is a dangerous one. Mark, give me the bull case on Tesla. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't cover Tesla, Scott. <laughs> we'll try. Come on, Come on. There's no way you don't read about it. Te- you have to have a view on Tesla. <laughs> yeah, today, well, so, today you do. The so insufferable numbskull wants a view. Come on, let's yeah. go. Well, let's just step yeah. back a little bit. If you just think, you know, that this are, is Tesla addressing, you know, um, trillion dollar plus TAMs? Yes. Do yep. you have a founder led company? Yes. Yep. Is it one of the most innovative product companies that we've seen yep. of the last decade? Yes. Is uh, it overvalued? Know, Probably. No. I, I'm almost certain that it is near term, but again, I don't cover the stock. Okay. Oh, Scott, I think you're in trouble. I think on, that was my a, brother. Come no, on. He's, he's left you. He's left you. I have Seriously, one last question, at the Mark. Altar. When you look at a lot of this legislation, now the billionaire's tax didn't pass, but there's lots of proposals. There's this Amy Klobuchar, Tom Cotton thing. There's all kinds of regulatory issues. How do you price those in? How do you think about where that's going? Because it's got to be part of your calculation. Um, and do you think it's for the better? Scott's makes the argument that this breaking things up is for the better, or some of this regulation is for the better. What do you? How do you look at it? Well, Kara, I, I absolutely think this uh, this regulatory focus is for the better. You know, we've seen uh, th- these are extremely powerful companies. I, you know, we have to go back a long time before we've seen companies this relatively powerful. So, absolutely, mm-hmm. they should be scrutinized. Uh, they. Uh, and some of them have developed into monopolies. Now, whether they've actually caused consumer harm, I think that's very unlikely. I know we can debate Facebook on that, but I, th- I think some of that debate has just gone way too one-sided. That's mm-hmm. a personal view. But these companies should absolutely be regulated. They're extremely powerful companies. I don't think they should be broken up unless there's something you'd have to find really good smoking guns on these names. The two that are I think most in the wheelhouse for regulators, probably for good reasons, are Google and uh, and Facebook, and yeah, but for very different reasons. Google for antitrust reasons, uh, right. Facebook for for more for regulatory privacy reasons. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a final question. Mark and I are friends, and whenever we get together, we spend about ten percent of our time talking about stocks, and we spend the other ninety talking about about being a dad to boys and kids. I'm I'd really like to know. I think of you as a very soulful. Wonderful father, Mark. I'd love to know what what advice you have uh, and what you've learned coming through COVID as as a dad. Like, what advice would you give to to men raising um, raising kids? You can't spend enough time with your kids. I guess that's my my uh, takeaway. And um, I've got I've got um, uh, three teenage boys and one twenty uh, one year old. And uh, I just it's just precious. You won't get the time back. So spend as much time with them as you can. So that's it. And lead by example. I uh, they they watch what you do rather than what you say. And increasingly, sometimes it's hard to get them to listen to what you say. But they watch what you do. So yeah. do the right thing, and they'll do the right thing too. Very nice. Very nice. Can I ask you one last question? Uh, you didn't answer my question. One one company we should be paying attention to, smaller, that you're like, hmm, I'm entranced with that company. I thought you would sort of like my a Spotify idea. I know it's a long Spotify. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just right. feel like, I mean, it's Do you think it's an acquisition target? 
No, I don't think so. I think it's got one fourth. Of, uh, here's the quick example I'd ask you to think about. It's got one fourth of the market cap of Netflix. I love Netflix and I've covered yeah. it you know, forever. And, um, and Spotify's got one fourth. And just think about it. How many people around the world are going to put uh, want to have video on their phones? And how many are going to put want to have music on their phones? It's about the same number. The rough you know, monthly subscription is about the same price. So that market cap delta, you know, long term uh, strikes me as being really different. And they, uh, it's too wide. And they both have one of the things I love to see is companies, consumer companies with pricing power. Netflix has raised price and they've done it successfully. Amazon Prime raised price. They did it successfully because they have pricing power. They've got wonderful yeah. value propositions. Spotify's just begun to do this. All right. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. The book is called Nothing But Net, of course. Good book. It launches today. Thank you, Mark Mahaney. Thank you, Kara. Thank you, Scott. How much do we love Mark Mahaney? We do. He's a lovely guy. He's a very decent man. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for Wins and Fails. Support for the show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for business to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers organized by skills and experience. Plus, you can streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. Fiverr Pro is perfect for businesses that want to work with top talent for immediate or long-term needs. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time, allowing you to flex your budget without any headcount constraints. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code PIVOT for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com and use code PIVOT. Support for this show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for businesses to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers, organized by skill and experience. Streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you. Project partners will outline requirements, assemble a roster of freelancers, and manage a schedule to ensure your deliverables are completed on time. Ready to scale smarter? Visit pro.fiverr.com to sign up and use code VOX for 15% off any service. That's pro.fiverr.com and use code VOX. Okay, Scott, wins and fails. I'm going to go first. I think the win, which a movie I have not seen, is The Eternals, which really killed it at the box office. $71 million in North America and $162 million globally. Even mm -hmm. though it got bad scores, all these Marvel, like, demented fans were trying mm -hmm. to knock down the number. Uh, it was called a review bomb. 
Um, it did great. Uh, it was too, for them, it was too uh, long, too thoughtful, and too gay, I guess. That was one of the issues. Too uh, gay? It was, the Eternals yeah, was too was, gay? Yeah, because there's a gay character in it, a superhero. Hmm. First one, I think. Anyway, it, all this, like, all these ugh, these demented Marvel fans. And I, I'm a Marvel fan, and I do not like the mm-hmm. demented Marvel fans. And uh, it, it did really great. It's very it's a it's a very different Marvel movie, but nonetheless, the Marvel brand pushes through. And since they were worried about word of mouth on social media, etc., did hugely well. And I'm excited to I'm excited to see it because I like when they they this is a cast. It's an incredibly diverse cast. Um, that's not why I like it. I just would like more different kinds of Marvel movies, which is great. So very pleased with that. I'm very nice. Pleased. And my fail is this Big Bird thing. How ridiculous. They were always attacking Big Bird. My kid loves Big Bird, so stop it. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't get that. I thought that was sort of weird. I know. Um, it's strange. But do you ahead. think but do you think PBS do you think it was an overreach to kind of politicize Big Bird? Or do you think No, I could, I could, they did it before he, when he got the another vaccine like years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, stop it. Well, there's all kinds of people and they're all in a line and they don't look like they're buying candy. And there's a sign that says, Don't wait, vaccinate. Sesame Street is not, it is It is actually, like I'm talking about, communal, not even just community, mm-hmm. Commu- mm-hmm. commonality. What do we have in common? Like, these Agreed. people have to stop. They need to shut the fuck up. Thank you. Please stay away from Big Bird. Spoken as a real Thank you. bridging communities there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shut the fuck up. The we all need to come together. Take so shut the, the pill fuck up. and stop yeah. yammering on to me. I don't want any okay. more yammering. Uh, my win is, uh, I think there's a ton of win. I think the infrastructure okay. bill is really exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, if you think of, if you think of America's transportation and infrastructure as our house, we're the wealthiest person in the world, and they come to our house and I see what you know that you know the roof's leaking. So I think it's just, yeah. I think that's a big victory for us. Um, I think these the the Pfizer COVID uh, pill is really exciting. So I think there's a ton of silver linings here. Uh, my fail is, uh, I and I, I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, hold this up as as uh, an aim of mine. I, I feel like the, the, uh, there's an absence of male role models, mm. and uh, you know the wealthiest man in the world and the president used to be Barack Obama and Bill Gates. And I, I recognize all the controversy around Bill Gates, but I think Bill Gates has has demonstrated a lot of concern for the world, and I think Barack Obama is the role model I would want my kids to, to, to look at in terms of his excellence, his commitment to the country, his, his, his fidelity to his wife and his daughters. I think he's an outstanding role model and tremendous grace really, really goes out of his way never to be critical of anyone individually. I think he's an outstanding role model. And now our role models are, are an individual who mocks the disabled, our former president, and somebody who goes on you know, on Twitter, hi, to say about a U.S. senator that you're, you, uh, I just, where are the role, you know, there are some great role models out there. I, I mm-hmm. you know, I think Amy Klobuchar, Andrew mm-hmm. Yang is a great role model. Steph Curry is a great mo- role model. The former dean of my school, Peter Henry, this huge athletic, decent Broad scholars are great. There's a ton of them out there. I just wish they, I wish more people with more following would do it you know, follow Mark Mahaney's lead. And that is young men are watching. Yeah, young men are listening. And and I'm trying to show more grace because I reckon if I say something, young men start mm-hmm. emailing me and asking yeah. questions. Mm-hmm. And and when you have tens of millions of people, mostly young men following you, you know, 
these guys will will do will, will do as you act. Right. Uh, my my loss is I do think that a lot of men are not taking the same responsibility or commitment that past men have and serve as role models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is absolutely true. I think you're absolutely right. I think about that a lot because I have two sons um, uh, who I who you know raised by lesbians. Um, I think a lot about people like my brother, who has been great. Uh, my older brother has been. I agree. Has spent more time. My younger brother has not spent as much time with the kids, but he's a terrific guy. Um, but my older brother, especially, has been. Just recently, both of my sons were like, "We want to spend more time with him." Um, cause he's such a good role model to them. And it's really important. It's just the little t- amount of time, like, cause we live across the country and stuff like that. And especially with yeah. the pandemic. So it's been really important. I do. I think about that a lot. And then I think about my own sons being good role models. Like my, mm-hmm. uh, they both took care of Clara this weekend and they were really gentle and kind. And I thought, well, I've done something right somewhere mm-hmm. in this, in this entire mm-hmm. art. And so it's a really interesting thing to think about, you know, and obviously men can have female role models, just like you said, and should, yeah, um, you know, and Angela that's Merkel. Angela do the Merkel. work, show fidelity to your country. <laughs> Angela Merkel shall be the, the fantastic one. role model. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's really, really, really important. And, and I agree with you. And I think we have to think, as I said, Commonality, not community. Commonality. It's my new thing. I'm gonna be. I'm thinking about it. I love that. The this healer. Like, Shut the fuck up. No, no. I want, like. I don't want to like. people together. Don't, you don't have to get along all the time. I wish. You know what? There was. You can have civil <laughs> arguments like you and I do. I think that's why we are in a community, but we have commonality. That's where we come to. We're more that than is, civil. We have affection. No, I, I, I was thinking of this discussion I had. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna. I'm gonna finish with this. I was thinking of a discussion I had with Marzak very late one night here in DC. A long time ago when he was talking to me. Yes. And he was talking about uh, uh, community all the time. He was obsessing Mm -hmm. on it. And it's really important to, to find commonality, like not community. And because he didn't, one of the things Amanda pointed out to me last night, we were talking about this is that he, he was looking for community, but he didn't care what kind of community got created. Right. That's the issue. Because mm-hmm. he didn't care about the kind of community, and so some communities are great, like people, as Amanda pointed out, there, you know, like people who have kids who have a certain cancer or something like that. These are groups of usefulness, right, where you come mm-hmm. together in something in common. But the only ones that work as a community, or as again, I'm going to attribute this to Amanda, is there is not a them that you're not against a them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what's mm-hmm. wrong with some of these communities connecting for the sake of connecting, but not what for. Right. And that's the problem is like there's no they're not they're connecting for the sake of connecting. And then there's a them. And then that becomes really toxic. I, I want to give Mark Zuckerberg the credit where credit's due. He has built mm-hmm. a community of people who don't give a flying fuck about society and are committed to doing anything to enrich themselves. I think he has done a good job of bringing those people together. So the community's got to go. There's always going to be, you know, differences of opinion and this and that, but we have lost our sense of commonality. I'm not talking about just grab hands and everybody love Betty White. That's not what I'm talking about. But what is the next follow-up question is, and I've been thinking about this, what is the connective tissue that restores that sense of community? Is it government? Is it church? Is it science? What is it? it I'm not sure, but it's not, it's not this idea of creating these communities that have nothing, that always has a them. 
a them. Mm-hmm. We have to get them. This is what we're aggrieved at. There's a lot, like, here's, it, 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 it's a grift. It's a grift happening right now in this idea. It's like, look what they did to you. Look what this, look what you can't say. Look what you, look at that group. Look at this, this whole, the whole language around the Glenn Youngkin thing is just like, mm-hmm. not right. There's something off and everyone's trying to grift into it. And I, it's driving me crazy. Anyway, well, that's my suggestion. And, and- to, I mean, something very upsetting has happened, and that is typically Americans rallied together and formed that connective tissue uh, due to a crisis. We did come together in 9-11. We've come together right. with past right. – even you could argue the AIDS crisis, eventually we did mm. sort of come together, sort of, oh, after mm-hmm. a while. <laughs> we were waiting a long time for that, but not really. Yeah, but I do, think, I, do think, I do think that ultimately, I, I think over the long term – I think people started developing more empathy. Um, Anyways, we can agree to disagree. But what's happened here that's different is we had a crisis and it's actually frayed our connective tissue. We didn't come together at all around this. And so this is a I think this is a really important conversation. What is the new connective tissue? Is it public service for young people to realize that we're Americans first? What is it? What is it doesn't it doesn't have to be much, actually. It doesn't have to be much. It doesn't. It just, it's just, we, I think what happens is you get this, like everybody kumbaya and we don't have to kumbaya. Anyway, that's the show. We'll be back on Friday for more. Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Neyman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie and Todd engineered this episode. Thanks also to Drew Burrows. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Mark Mahaney, the premier internet analyst in the world, so goddamn nice, so goddamn handsome. He appears Canadian, but that is all meaningful. But what is profound? Mark Mahaney is a wonderful role model and a fantastic father.